0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Currensville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Currensville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.currensvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George. All right, folks, I'd like you to turn to John chapter... 19. John chapter 19 is a very special chapter out of the gospel. It's special because it uh, describes the suffering and the brutality and the death of Jesus. And, And so the realization is that as we look at this, remember we're We're doing this trek through the Gospel of John because we want to meet Jesus. We want to get to know him. And part of getting to know him is knowing ourselves and knowing him and his love for us and what he has gone through for us. And so especially with this chapter, we're only going to look at the first part of it today. We're going to see what he endures. And the whole reason why he's enduring it is, yes, of course, I know it's for us. That's why he's enduring it, George. Yeah, it's for us. But it's also because of specific actions from people like us. It's, it's, it's because of rejection. And, and that's what I've entitled the message today, is Rejected. He, he's being literally rejected. And, and to be honest with you folks, I think sometimes we forget this. We think in our culture where we, if we just have the right message and the right way of conveying it, everybody's going to come to some point of enlightenment and accept it. And, and, but the reality is that's not true when it comes to Jesus. Most will reject. And they have their different reasons. And we're going to see their different reasons right here in this passage. Because their different reasons are the reason why he goes to the cross. They send him to the cross because you've got one dude who's fickle, apathetic, even nervous. And others who are motivated by hatred. And so what we see here is, yes, we're going to see Jesus and how he is with this. A lamb led to the slaughter. But we're also going to see people. And, and to be honest with you, when you read this, you can't kind of hold a finger at them. Because sometimes when you read stuff, it's like, oh yeah, the bad guy. Ooh, glad I'm not like that. No, when you read this, you realize, man, I am a lot like them in some ways. But that's really what's going on here. The world crucified Jesus. Humanity crucified Jesus. It, the Jews Gentiles crucified Jesus and they're a lot like you and I so we're going to see that today we're going to look here at the reality now here's the amazing thing to me the amazing thing is John makes it very clear in the beginning of his Gospels that this what is happening here in chapter 19 was not unexpected it was not like something that came out of the blue and caught Jesus by surprise. It's actually an expected end because he told us in the beginning of the gospel. So I got a couple of point here. Points here I want you to make is that the crisis Jesus faced is not something that caught him by surprise. He wasn't caught by surprise here. He knew exactly what was going on. In fact, we've seen that throughout the gospel. He's been telling them throughout the gospel, I'm going to die. They're going to take me. You're going to betray me. You're going to deny me. Everything that's happened, he knew was coming. Jesus is not surprised by any of this. In fact, when you look at this passage and you realize that he's silent when he endures this, just blows your mind. Because if it was any of us, we'd be protesting our innocence. We would be crying out. So the crisis that Jesus faced is not something that caught him by surprise. In actuality, it's a culmination of the world's rejection. What's happening here in chapter 19 is really all of the world's rejection From Adam to the very end, in one moment, being poured out on Jesus. Not just God's wrath being poured out because of sin, but all of human anger towards God is right there. How do we know that? Well, it'll be up on the screen for you. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. John told us that from the very beginning in the prologue. Look, Jesus came to his own. They didn't want him. Here's another one for you, John chapter 3. Remember his discussion with Nicodemus? He's going to talk about the whole issue of darkness here. And, and really, I want you to listen to me. This is why people don't want Jesus. I understand it's not because they don't have enough facts. I'm telling you, it's a heart issue. They love something more than they love Jesus. What is it? Here it is, John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. And because their deeds were evil, and anyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. Folks, this is why people don't want Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, I'll be honest with you, you know this. When you come to Jesus, he exposes you. Isn't that your daily experience with him? What do you mean, George? Every time I open the Word, God's revealing to me an attitude that maybe needs to change. What do you mean? Well, don't you have a pet attitude that you like having towards a group of people or something? Sometimes God reveals that and says, that ain't right. That's not the way to be. The Spirit speaks to you. But, and as believers now, we respond to that. But when you're not knowing God and the Spirit is not in your life and God's light shines in and reveals the darkness within you, you reject it because you love what you're doing more than you love God. And so you reject Him. And so all this that's happening, Jesus was not blown away like, why is this happening to me? He knew. Because this is where human hearts are. This is why we reject. And we're going to see it today in this account. So I want you to look with me. We're going to look at verses 1 through 16. It'll be up on the screen. Let's read this most important chapter, part of it today here's what John records so Pilate took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put a put on him a purple robe then they said hail the king of the Jews and they struck him with their hands Pilate Then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him. I I find no fault in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid. And went out again to the Petroleum and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat him down in the judgment seat in a place that is called The pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Then it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king! And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king. But Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they led Jesus and led him away. You know this, again, this is a powerful story. and you, you realize, I mean like so when I was reading this, I was really wrestling with, how, how am I going to communicate what's going on here? Because there are two, two levels to this. There are two levels. there's what Jesus is enduring, okay? But there's also what John is revealing to us about humanity. What do you mean about humanity? Well, about how people are in their rejection of him. Because nothing has changed. Because you and I still see that today. People today are still rejecting Jesus. And there's reasons for it. And so the reality is, is I thought, how do I blend both? And so that's what I'm going to try to do today. I'm going to blend both, so I'm going to kind of divide it up in an additional three sections here. So what we're going to look at, first of all, is the issue of indifference, apathy when it comes to Jesus. Then we're going to look at the issue of being nervous, nervous about Jesus, when you kind of hear something and you're kind of nervous about it. But then what we're going to finally see is he's expendable. And that's where humanity is with Jesus. And in the midst of it, we see Jesus, who just blows me away because he's enduring this. And he allows himself. So let's talk about it. So first of all, let's talk about indifference. Verses 1 to 6. Pilate, to be honest with you, is probably the most spineless man I've ever met. I haven't met him, only met him through the pages, But what do you mean by that? Here's a guy, he's the governor of Rome. The stories are that he executed thousands, thousands of Jews for just not even doing one simple thing. And when it comes to Jesus, and he's being faced with the reality of what to do with Jesus, he can't stand up and make a decision. And part of the reason why he doesn't want to make a decision is because he just doesn't want to. He's indifferent. It doesn't mean anything to him. And that's what I find with humanity. Humanity, there are people who are just flat out angry about Jesus. But then there are people who just don't care. And they'd rather not deal with him. And that's kind of like what we're seeing here. So let's talk about it. First of all, there's the, the effort is made to appear to deal with the issue of Jesus. So there's this effort on his part to kind of be like, let's deal with this. How does he do that? Well, first six verses, what does he do? He delivers them over. He says he's innocent. He finds no fault in him. But what does he do? Well, to appease them because they want to kill him, I'll just have him beat up a little bit. Only it's not just a little bit, is it? The Romans whipped him. Typical whipping would be a sentence of 40 lashes. Typically, though, they didn't want to go over that lawfully, so they would do 39 lashes. And it's not just your normal whip. It would be like a cat of nine tails. It would be a whip with many strands on it. And what they would do is have pieces of bone or glass or whatever on the ends of this, and they would whip the individual. They're not just whipping him, they're mocking him. They're placing a crown of thorns. Oh, you're a king? The the soldiers are are putting on his head a crown of thorns and they're beating him. How do we know how badly they're beating him? Well, we know from Isaiah 53 that his face was disfigured. They tore his beard from his face mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Now, why is this all happening? Because one guy wants to appear like he's dealing with the issue. Pilate. He wants to make put on a show that I've addressed the issue, but we're just going to beat him up a little bit and let him go. So the effort is made to appear to deal with the issue of Jesus. I find that to be so typical of humanity today. When you're confronted with the reality of him, people will do whatever they have to do to, quote, address it, but not really address it. They don't go to the brutality of what they're doing to Jesus, but in some ways they're just indifferent and apathetic, and they don't really want to make a decision, which brings me to my next point I want you to see here. The results, this results in a proclamation that no further action is warranted. So what does he do? He brings Jesus out beat up, bloodied crown on his head so it's obvious that he's been tortured says I find no fault in him like that's the end of it I don't have to deal with this anymore you still hear that to this day I've looked into that I've checked out this Jesus thing. There's nothing there. But see, here's the problem. Jesus is such that you're going to have to make a decision, right? And that's what Pilate's going to find out here. So he goes and he makes this proclamation. And and here's what happens. When you look with me, look with me at verse 7 and 8. Here's how the chief priests respond. And this really sends Pilate for a loop. The Jews answered, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Stop for a moment. All right, so anybody tells you that Jesus never proclaimed himself to be the Son of God, take them to this verse. Because it's very obvious, we've seen it through John, he has been expressing his deity all along the way. And they saw it, and they rejected it. But the problem is, is they're speaking to Pilate, who is what? He is a Roman, a Gentile, from Italy, who has been influenced by a polytheistic culture, The Romans were a polytheistic culture. They didn't have one god, they had many gods. He grew up with mythology and the belief, it was a common belief among Gentiles that it was possible for somebody to be a son of a god and so they were what we would call a demagogue. So he's nervous now because whoa, whoa, wait a minute now, I've heard stories about him doing stuff, maybe So here's the problem is, is that, okay, look at what it says here. If you go down to verse 8, then when Pilate heard this saying, he was the more afraid. He's nervous. So now he's nervous. And and, and what I find sometimes is, is people, because people have a tendency to be superstitious, when it comes to God, they don't understand him. But when they hear something about him, it makes them nervous because, okay, what's going to happen here? And that's exactly what we see happening with Pilate. And so what do we see here? Two things. The possibility that Jesus might be God makes people nervous. That makes people nervous. So can I be honest with you? Think about how our culture is. In our culture, we, convey, we communicate Jesus in two main ways. One is a babe in a manger. We're getting ready. Well, what do you mean we're getting ready? Just go to the store. It's already out. The decorations are already out, right? They've been out the day after, well, some places they were out before October 31st. And and already what we hear about? Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. The next time we'll hear about Jesus is when? On the cross. On the cross. On the cross. And we're comfortable with that. Because the actuality of who he really is makes us uncomfortable. When you realize who he is and the control that he has, if you didn't have an understanding of his grace and his love, you'd be nervous, wouldn't you? You'd be nervous. And so the possibility that that Jesus might be God makes people nervous. And so here's the reality. So any attempt to explore Jesus' true identity is often on one's own terms. So here's the thing. This is what I just want to laugh at this passage. Let me read to you, and I'll tell you why I want to laugh. Look with me at verse 9. And went again into the Petroleum and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Isn't that interesting? Who's in control here? Who's in control here? God's in control here. Where are you from? No answer. Then guess what? Pilate gets a little upset. So he says, Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Can you just picture that? You're not talking to me? And do you not know that I have the power to crucify you? Or the power to release you? Have you ever been in a situation like that where somebody says, don't you know what kind of power I have? Jesus is just being quiet. And Jesus answered, you can have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. What an answer! The only power you got, buddy, is what God gave you. And by the way, Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Yeah, the greater judgment, the greater sin is the guys who delivered you. That's his answer, man. Blows your mind about Jesus, doesn't it? But here's what I want you to see. Any attempt to explore Jesus' true identity is often on their own terms. He's trying to find it out, but it's on Pilate's terms. Folks, you don't come to Jesus on your terms. You come to Jesus on his terms. Did you understand what I'm saying? You you come to him on his basis. And what basis is that? You stripped of all of who you are. And you come before him laid out naked. Soul bared of who you are as a sinner. And you come to him by faith because he takes that and he redeems that. But here, Potiphar, He wants to still be... Oh, yeah, he's nervous, but he still wants to be in control. And isn't that the way people are? It's like, I'll check out that Jesus thing, but it's on my terms. You know, the most famous way I hear it is, you know, don't you think you need to make a decision for Christ? Yeah, you know, I need to do that, but maybe later in life. Like, who's in control here? Like, are you in control of life? How do you know you got tomorrow? You don't. So we see... Eight, an indifference, we see a nervousness. So that brings us to the reality that ultimately, even with that, people will see that Jesus is expendable. We just got to get rid of Jesus. And there's two groups here. Two groups. And they're motivated by two different things. Okay? So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 12 to 16. Here's what he says. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes him a king speaks against Caesar. And while Pilate heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat him down on the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha, Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, this is amazing. These are Jews who are saying this. We have no king but who? Caesar. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they wanted to get rid of Caesar, but they're so angry at Jesus and hate him. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Here's what I want you to see about Jesus being expendable. Here it is. First of all, for some, hatred drives their rejection of Jesus. That's the Jews here. What's driving them is hatred. Why? They hate him. Because he is threatening their very basis for how they do life. From the very beginning of his ministry, he called into question their rituals, their laws, their oral traditions. He called into question their authority and how they do things and what, what is acceptable to God and what is not. They didn't just go along with their way of doing things, and so they had to get rid of him. And even in spite of all of the signs, and isn't that what we've seen through the Gospel of John? They've seen one sign after another. Healings. People who were demon-possessed being healed. The blind seeing. Like, has that ever happened before? No. The blind, And then the dead being raised, been in the grave more than three days, guy is raised up out of the grave. And the reality is that what? Their hatred for God gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where that's all that matters. It's all that matters so much so that their hypocrisy comes out even more. Like when they say we have no king but Caesar, that's just a hypocritical statement from them, isn't it? But at that point, hypocrisy doesn't matter. They just want rid of Jesus. Facts don't matter. You know, it's interesting. I have, I have loved ones that are very, I, I, I weep for them who don't know Jesus. And, and, and sometimes I went through a phase where if they just saw this, if, this, if they just saw that, that that will change their hearts. I'm, I'm, I've come to the conclusion, folks, that's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. Because it's a heart issue. And if you don't want God, because you want what you have, nothing is going to change that. so they hate the light because they love the darkness and understand that what is darkness folks darkness is what, not what some scene you see on TV where darkness means oh the realm of Satan or whatever that, that's just a bunch of baloney darkness is anything that is opposite of God it is where sin is all sin and men love that And they hate the light. And for some, the hatred drives their rejection of Jesus. But there are others, like Pilate. Pilate's not driven. Let's be honest. Everybody agree with me? Pilate's not driven by hatred here. Before this, he probably had no clue. Maybe he heard the stories about some healer out there and doing all this wonderful thing, feeding people, doing whatever. Would you agree with me? Pilate's got no. He's got nothing in this. But he's guilty too, right? Because he rejects. Why? For others, the immediate consequences push them to reject Jesus. So he's trying to get Jesus, like, get him off. He's trying to, okay, I release him. I find no fault with him. And the Jews say, the Jewish leaders say, hey, 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 look. Why, do, why are we instructing you? You're a Roman. There is no king but Caesar, and Caesar doesn't like other kings. This guy says he's a king. You can't let that happen. You must not be a friend of Caesar. Ooh, here he is. He's the governor representing who, Caesar, to these people. And they're saying, oh, you must not be a friend of Caesar, which means we're gonna tell on you. We're gonna send a report back to Rome. You can explain that to whoever the emperor was at that time. And what we know from those emperors, they didn't respond too well to anybody doing something negative, right? So at this point, I can almost kind of see what's going on in Pilate's mind. You know, me, this guy. Me, Jesus. Me, I think it's me. All right, send him away, crucify him. It's about the immediate. Man, I would say. A lot of people are in the place where they they are rejecting him because they hate him, but I'll be honest with you, a majority of them are in the place where Pilate is. What do you mean? Because their rejection of Jesus has more to do with the immediate consequences that they might face right now than anything else, and that's why they don't want God. I have seen that throughout all my years of ministry interacting with different people, telling, I've met people who would love to have come to Jesus, but because if they come to Jesus, this would affect this or fi- affect that or affect this relationship, and they said I don't want to do that. And it's because they reject Jesus because something more immediate might not go well. You would say... Well, that's bogus, George. That's really, I mean, lame, yeah. But people make decisions for lame reasons, don't they? And I feel for them because one day they're going to stand before the one they rejected and have to explain why they rejected. And it was because of some lame reason. Now, here's the thing. So let me wrap this up. You say, wow, man, George, this is another, how do, I, how do I digest this, okay? Well, let's move to grace. Let's close this with grace. Okay, I want you to go back to what I said in the beginning. What I said to you in the beginning is this. I said the crisis that Jesus faced was not something that caught him by surprise. What he faced by dealing with people who were outright hating him, plus other people who don't really want to deal with him, who are nervous about him, but in the end they just reject him because it's more expedient for them to reject him. None of that is anything that catches Jesus by surprise. In fact... He knew it was going to happen. He knew this is where human hearts were. And he was determined to what? Go to the cross so that you might be saved. So that you might have grace shown to you. That's what's awesome here. We can see ourselves in in some of the actions of those who reject because why? We're human. But the reality is what he faced, and we're going to explore it even more after we get done with Thanksgiving, is the reality is is that what he went through, he went through for you because of one thing, love. Because even in spite of the rejection, he what? Loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love. So as you're looking here and as you're sitting here and as you're trying to digest that, listen to me. Realize that what goes on around us with the rejection, he's aware, he expected it, he even told you it would happen. But one thing was more important to him dying for you so that you can know him. Let me pray for you.